disciples. And when the wine had ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Verse 4, and Jesus said to her, woman, if you have an NIV, and, and this is important, I'll bring it up later, it says, dear woman, dear woman. Try to soften it. They added that, actually. It says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do, listen to these words, do whatever he tells you. How many think that's a good word, right? The, let's go home. Yeah, verse 6, and now there, no, don't. Uh, now there were six stone, stone water jars that, the, for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill them up with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. That phrase is key, the master of the feast. So they took it, and when the master of the feast had tasted the water, now that had become wine, he did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And so the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. Nice little trick. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the Bible says, the first sign Jesus did in Canaan, or the first of the miraculous signs in Canaan and Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and the disciples believed in him. Wow, what a story. I, I think this is important because it's the first miracle. And I often wondered, have you ever wondered, Jesus, why this miracle? I think this not only describes his ministry, but it describes everything he wants to do through who he is and what he's going to be and what he's going to do. It's a prophetic picture of what he came to bring. And we're going to talk about four things. The first is, is uh, who he came to be or who he is. The second is uh, what he came to do. The next is what does he offer? What does Jesus offer us? And finally, we'll finish with how do we respond? In light of this story, how do we respond. I think it's a, you think of all the things he could have done. He could have walked on water. He could have raised the dead. But here we find Jesus at a party, the wedding in Canaan, and he's turning water into wine. D does that puzzle anyone else? Okay. Just me, okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what I get out of it. Um, Reynolds Price, he was a Duke professor. He did translations of, brilliant guy, translations of the Bible, and he said, uh, he said, if you just read this, uh, if, you, if you read this, you must know that who Jesus is is true. Because you would never start a book of the Bible trying to compel people to believe in Christ by uh, creating uh, a miraculous solution for a mere social problem. This is a miraculous solution to a, what seems to be a social problem. The party, uh-oh, now the party's going to be two days instead of three, which they did. Weddings were the talk of the town. Everyone came in from all over for the wedding in Canaan. Everyone, everyone in town would have been there, and, and it was, look, Mary, Mary came to him and said, look, they're out of wine. This would have been a total social embarrassment. Are you guys with me? 
but the fact that Jesus chooses this says something. It's, 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 it's not just, uh, well, I'll, I'll help you. And, and I think in our mind's eye, when we read this, we think, well, Mary came to him and finally convinced him. But you've got to remember, Jesus is a movement leader. And he's a movement leader of the greatest movement in all the world. So there's no mistakes in Scripture. And there's no mistakes that he said, um, when she said, do whatever he says, do it. Jesus, in the, in the divine providence of God, this was in his planning and timing. Can someone say, yeah? And so, um, Jesus turns water into wine. A hundred, there were six big stone jars for purification, which would have been about 150 gallons he made of the best wine. 150 gallons. Now, I know this is a touchy subject uh, in our culture and, and depending on your faith background. Uh, I have a pastor friend, and this is a side note apart from the topic, but I think just important to say, I have a pastor friend who said, Jesus turned water into grape juice. That's, a, that's actually a common view. Uh, problem is, um, I look, let me, show me this picture, Bob, of this guy. Thomas Bramwell Welch. Anyone know this guy? <laughs> he's a nice looking, nice beard. Rudy, there's a few more years and it's going to be down there. Um, he was a Methodist minister, uh, actually American, who uh, they didn't believe that you should use wine in communion. Actually, most denominations, this isn't a sermon about drinking, but I want to touch on this. Most denominations... Uh, back then, actually, all would use wine. In fact, our friend Trevor and Brits that come, so f they think it's so funny that we have juice in communion. They do. It's just odd to them because Jesus said, bring the wine and bring the bread, and I'm losing everybody already. Uh, you notice his last name, Welch? They didn't believe that they should have wine in communion, so he perfected this uh, process to take the alcohol out of wine. Because if you put grapes into a bottle, it turns into wine. It doesn't turn into grape juice. It just naturally ferments. It turns into wine. And it's, it's just a side note, but it, it's funny because it, people say, well, he it really turned water into grape juice. Now, let's put that into context. G, you know, man, go to the bridegroom. You guys, most people bring out the really good grape juice in the beginning of the wedding. <laughs> and then they bring that really bad grape juice, the squelches, not the brand name, out, of, out at the end of the wedding. But you guys save the most amazing grape juice for the end. Right? It, it's kind of silly, right? Uh, now, we don't promote getting drunk on wine, someone say amen. We know, thank you. Uh, but Jesus is the Lord of the wine, and why is that important? There's a phrase, as we read, uh, that Mary said, they went to the master of the banquet, or the master of the ceremony. This gets to our first point. See, this would have been the guy who would have been the well-to-do guy. I picture him, when I read this, I picture him as like a Brian May. Someone at the party who's like the life of the party and keeping it going and Mr. Well-to-do and ah, bring out the food and kind of uh, see the master of the banquet at that time would have been responsible for keeping this party going. 
And all of a sudden, there's this switch that takes place, and this guy who's run out, he's failed at his job. They come to Jesus, and Jesus has to take over. Why? Because I think Jesus is the, uh, who he came to be. Number one, he's the master of the banquet. Jesus is our true master of the ceremony, the master of the banquet, the master of new life. He's saying, what is he saying in this, this amazing story that's really a parable for his ministry? He's saying, I am the Lord of the feast. I didn't come so you eat crumbs and so you're beggars. And, and yes, there's going to be self-denial and there's things that we have to sacrifice, but that's not the ends. That's the, that's the means to the ends. I'm coming to, uh, to bring a banquet. And I'm coming to bring a feast. And my ministry, like in Isaiah 25, is an amazing scripture. It says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast. Everyone say feast. Of rich food. Someone say amen. Of well-aged wine, not the Welch's. Of rich food full of marrow, aged wine, well-refined. He's saying, I'm coming to bring something, and it's more than a meal. I'm coming to bring something that you can feast on, something you can dine on. Communion was never meant to be just a teeny little little teeny bit of bread and this little teeny little cup of juice it it was at a table and what Jesus was saying is saying I'm coming as the new Lord of the banquet the Lord of the feast my I'm I'm you know my time may not be here yet mom but really my job as a minister and as your pastor and as the leader of this movement I'm the new master of the banquet see we think Christianity is suck it up just get by, do what we can, eat the crumbs, you know, we get saved to be saved from hell. Oh, no. Come on, as we approach this Holy Week, is anyone here today? We come to feast. We come to, to dine and to celebrate on his goodness and his grace. He's the Lord of the wine. So who, who is he? He's the master of the banquet. This isn't just a story. It's not like Mary just kind of pressured him, we'll do this little miracle, okay, mom, and he did it. No, he's saying something here to us today. Jesus threw down in this story. As his first, John, did you notice, John didn't call it a miracle, because there were miracles all through, but he called it his first sign. His first sign, he's pointing to something and showing something, and he's saying, guess what, this is who I am. I've come as the master of the banquet. Amen. 2 Samuel 9, I won't belabor the point, but it illustrates it so well when David became king and Saul and Jonathan had died tragically. And even though Saul, King Saul, had become David's enemy, do you know what David did? He said, go find any of the relatives of Saul. I want them to, I want them to be a part of the family. We need to take care of them. And they said, there is one Jonathan's son, it was Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth, living in Lodabar. That doesn't sound very good, does it? And when he, was, when he was a young boy, the nurse running from the enemy dropped him, and he had two crippled leg, the, legs, the Bible said. And he said, there's Mephibosheth living in Lodabar. And David said, go get him. He's going to become part of our house. And he told him, you're going to sit at my table. 
He had every right to be totally afraid. And man, David could have probably, what did kings do to the other king's relatives when they took over? <laughs> Off with their heads, right? Done. Mephibosheth, in a natural sense, <laughs> unfortunate name, should have been afraid, but David said, you will dine at my table. What is he saying? No more crumbs. No more, no more crawling around in Lodabar. You're coming to the kingdom and you're coming to the palace. And Jesus beckons us today to come to his table and to his palace as master of the banquet. That's really who he is. Secondly, what he came to do, the keys in verse 4 in, the, in the, our text today, and this kind of abrupt, angry Jesus, it sounds like, Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? And if you think, and then he goes on to say, my hour is not yet come. And you think, wow, Jesus woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, if I said that to my mom, there's no going to be time, there's not going to be any time out. There's going to be knockout. <laughs> but there wasn't time out when I was a kid. How many relate to that? It wasn't time out. It's knockout time. Boy, uh, my mom would come at me with a wooden spoon. She's wielding it like a Jedi warrior. Uh, I'd never say that to my mom, but this is Jesus, right? Woman. The translators really do it a disservice because, oh, dear woman, what does this have to do with me? Ah, I don't really want to do this yet. That's not what the, the text really is saying. Jesus He's not rude, and he's, he might be abrupt, and there's a good reason why. He says, my hour has not yet come. Now, when we talk about what he came to do, I want you guys to think about when you visit a wedding, especially if you're single, what do you think about? Girl. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> what do people think about at a wedding? The food, <laughs> dancing. Not dancing. My wife's like, I hope Josh doesn't try to dance with me. <clears throat> Tried to flip her over one time. It wasn't pretty. Um, I'm like, hey, I'm the master of the banquet. You want to dance? <laughs> I did. I tried this swing dance move, flipped her upside down. Her dress fell. That was it. We haven't danced for 22 years. It's amazing. True story. She won't. Pray for us after the meeting. Um, now, you, when you hear this, you're not going to believe it maybe right away, but uh, when people go to weddings, they think about their own wedding. What's it going to be like? Especially, if, who am I going to marry? God, what are the plans you have for me? And it gets you thinking. And believe it or not, Jesus is thinking about his own wedding. Is it a little G a Jewish girl or some man? I want to marry Susie. Probably not because he, he's celibate. He's, got a, he's not going to be married his whole life. Uh, but what he came to do is key in this scripture because he says, my hour has not yet come. And he sounds snooty, but what's happening in Jesus' mind, what you have to understand is ministry hadn't started. And he's, as he's sitting at this wedding, he says, you know, do whatever he says. And there Jesus is at this point. He knows once this ball gets rolling and once his ministry gets started, right, his ministry is going to go, and I, be I believe he's thinking about uh, what it's going to take to pro provide wine for his own wedding. 
Think about that. What is it going to take for me to provide wine for my bride? Although physically Jesus won't get married, he's going to spiritually, he's the bridegroom. So he came as Lord of the feast, but what he came to do is to be our bridegroom. He came to be our husband. He came to uh, die for the church and marry that church. And if you think it's a stretch, that phrase, my hour has not yet come, it literally means, John, really only John uses it, it literally means the hour of my death. So when he says, woman, what does this have to do with me? The hour of my death has not yet come. Wow. And it's used a few times in John 7.30. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because the hour had not yet come. John 8, 23, these words spoke in the treasury and he taught them in the temple and no one laid hands on them. That means they tried to hurt him because his hour had not yet come. John 12, 23, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I, I honestly think, why is this such an important sign and a miracle? Because not only did he come to be Lord of the feast, he's coming as our bridegroom. And he's wondering, man, to see in the Old Testament when, remember Pharaoh and Moses and all that? As a curse, God turned water into blood. But now Jesus is turning water into wine to say, hey, this isn't a curse but a blessing. I'm coming to bring you new life and I'm coming to provide for you like a bridegroom would for a bride. Is anyone here today? My hour has not yet come. The time of my death, the words he uses are, are super. It's a party and it's a wedding. He's going, woman, my time, the reason he's sounding that way is he's going, man, the time of my death isn't yet. And he realizes that his walk as the bridegroom has now begun. His ministry is starting. So what he came to do is to purchase a bride. Marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church, and we see this in Scripture. We don't pick it out all the time, but in Matthew, uh, they came to Jesus and said, why don't your disciples fast? Right? Everyone else is fasting, really pious. And it, do you remember what he said? Why would they fast when the bridegroom's here? I'm with them right now. He's going, they're going to fast later. They're going to have plenty of time to be upset later when I'm hanging on the cross. But why would they fast when the bridegroom is here? John the Baptist, do you know what happened to John the Baptist? He baptized Jesus, and he had this whole following. He's an amazing preacher, minister. But people started to leave his ministry to follow Jesus. And they came to him, and they said, what about this? People are leaving you and following him. And do you know what his answer was? The bride is for the bridegroom. John 3, 29, the bride is for the bridegroom. That, that bride is for him. I just prepared the way for the bridegroom is here. So not only is he Lord of the banquet over our lives, he's our bridegroom over our hearts. Right? He came to, to catch a bride and captivate a bride and, and win us and woo us. That's really good news today. It's not grumpy Jesus said his mom, but he's considering this ministry as he's coming in saying, man, I'm going to have to provide wine. Someone for this wedding banquet and for all of eternity is going to have to provide wine for this wedding feast. And it has to be him. 
Bible says, then I saw a holy city dressed in white. There's this holy city for its husband. And in the end of days, there's going to be this amazing consummation where Jesus has his bride. And we have the wedding feast of the Lamb. We see it in part now, but imagine that day when we meet Jesus and we're presented to him without spot or wrinkle. Come on. What an amazing. So when we think of Palm Sunday and what he came to do, the master of the feast. Guys, let's celebrate this week. Let's look to our bridegroom this week. Can we do that? Jesus even said, let this cup pass. He knew what it would take later on, but someone had to. And think of the six stone water pots. Hey, those pots that the priests used for purification, grab those. I don't think that's an accident. What they would have to do is before they went into the temple to worship, they would wash off to become clean. What is Jesus saying? He's going, no, you don't have to go through that ceremony and ritual. You come to the bridegroom. You put your life in the bridegroom. I'm going to make you clean. This is a sign that if you're a sinner, you need to be saved by grace, and Jesus makes access. He becomes our bridegroom in life, right? So the hour had not yet come. What a a sign. Imagine Jesus sitting at this wedding, thinking of his own wedding and the thing it's going to take to purchase us. What a privilege, right? So he's the Lord of the feast. He's the bridegroom. And what does he offer? What does he he, uh, bring to us through this? I I think the answer is simple. It's complete reception, Do you know Jesus has complete reception for you? What you you say, what he says about us, or what he says about himself says something about us. So in other words, if Jesus says, I'm the king, right? If someone tells you, I'm your king, what does that make you? Servants, (laughs) I'm your loyal subject, your master, my liege, right? So he says, I'm your king. What about when Jesus says, hey, I'm your shepherd? Mm. (laughs) Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) We're the sheep. But what about when he says, I'm the bridegroom? You're the bride. That means he has complete reception. He he desires us. He wants us. He comes to, and this whole story of, of all the wine and all the, the feast, why wine? You think, why Jesus, why wine? I think because Jesus comes with complete reception, he offers powerful sensation. In his relationship, did you know that? Powerful sensation. And I know sometimes we say a little too much that faith is not feeling. What we're trying to say is like, don't go on your feelings. Some days you're not gonna feel great. Some days the coffee pot doesn't work and you really don't feel great, right? It's like Armageddon. Uh, We don't live based on our feelings, but we can't take feelings out of our faith because we have them, some of you more than others, (laughs) right? We have them. I heard Phil Pringle in his book called Faith, didn't hear, I read, he said, faith is the... Uh, the ultimate feeling of confidence. I thought, hmm, wait, I thought faith isn't feeling. No, faith is this 
utter feeling of confidence. Uh, to give us a context, think of David fighting Goliath. I'm not going on my feelings. He's huge, right? I'm a kid. He's a giant. I'm kind of scared. Now, what did David came with? Faith. David came with an alter, this faith and feeling of, man, I, with God, I can't lose. And so let's l- allow our faith and our feelings to work together and have this. The Bible is always talking about uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So why wine? Taste and see that God is amazing. He's rich. He's bountiful. He's powerful. Remember the song, Open the Eyes of Our Heart? I was going to almost sing it. You're welcome that I didn't. Why open it? It doesn't mean your real eyes. It means the eyes of your heart to go, man, I want to see God. I want to experience God. Henry Blackaby, a Baptist writer and pastor, had an amazing book. I was going to the university, and someone from Campus Crusade gave me that book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. I never forget reading that and realizing that God's not just a God of rules and regulations who wants me to uh, uh, cross every T and dot every I and, and sign this covenant. God, I'm going to follow you and I promise to do this and this and this. No, I have a God who has complete reception and wants me to powerfully experience him. Right? That's what he has to offer, complete reception. He's going, man, I want you in my life. I'm a husband, I'm a bridegroom, coming for my bride. Right? I'm coming for my bride and I want to be with you and I want to save you and I, I want to spend time with you. We're so worried thinking about everything that happened this week and, and God's going, no, I'm your husband. I died for you. I want to swoop you into my life, and I want to be close to you. People always say, well, I didn't come to church. I'm not doing that well. <clears throat> I'm sick. I won't go to the doctor, right? Yeah, if you're, if you're not well, if you're not sick, if you're, man, don't, don't repel from him. Come near him. Listen to his voice and experience a God that, we want to, we, we, we don't always will have those lovey feelings, but we know there's a God that does respond to our heart, will, and our emotions, and let's, with wine, the Lord of the wine, one thing wine does, it goes to your head. Some of you are like, mm-hmm. It does, it goes to your head. The love of God, this powerful God, the Lord of the wine, who came to be the master of the ceremony, And our bridegroom offers us complete reception into a relationship that we've never had before. Guys, I'm trying to preach good news today. That's good news. That's really, really good news for us today. He wants wants his word and his truth and his life to ravish us. Gives us hunger. It gives us truth. It give, it, we may not be satisfied with the things of the world. He wants you to not compare. He doesn't want you to go after other lovers. He's going, I've got the best wine. I've got the best sensation. I've got the best there is. Why sell out for everything the world has when you can have me? Right? You can have me. I think of the story of the woman at the well is such a powerful story where Jesus meets uh, Samaritan, is she Samaritan, I think, at the well, and she came to draw water, and she says to him, you have nothing to draw from, and the well is deep. 
He says, man, I've got springs, paraphrase. Josh, paraphrase, forgive me. I've got living water. You drink this, you'll never thirst again. And then he remember, he says, woman, where's your husband? I don't have one. Well, that's true when you say that sort of, but you've had five husbands and the one you're with now isn't your husband. Duh. What is Jesus? Yes, well, shame on you. I, ha, ha, ha. It's not Mr. Shameful prophetic word. He's connecting with her saying, man, I'm the, I'm the bridegroom. You've looked for love in all the wrong places. I'm the one that can fulfill all your needs. And what does it say? Uh, she ran to home to tell everyone who she met. It also says, leaving her water jar behind, she ran home. So she forgot about that thirst. She left that water pot. Why? Because the days of the bucket brigade are over. There's no more filling up on what the world has. Jesus comes with complete reception, total sensation, wanting to be in our lives and lift us up. Guys, are you with me today? As a minister, I have a unique place in weddings to... Not everyone gets to experience this, but I'll stand with the groom. Right, left? Is that right, babe? My left? Bride party over here? Um, Don't know anymore these days. Um, But I'll stand with the groom, and I get to experience something that not everyone does. And I hope the groom and maybe the best man, uh, the groom gets to see his bride come down the aisle of seeing her for the first time that day. And his eyes light up. I'm totally embarrassing my brother right now. Tanner Peak, who looks so excited. Uh, my brother Jake on the left, what a picture. They caught the picture, they caught the shot of when he saw his bride for the first time. Coming down the, coming down the aisle, he sees her. And there's, in that look, there's total reception. There's like... <laughs> To the groom, that lady looks as beautiful. Kapow, Shazam, Dale said. Right? And in that look, and it's, I think it's, a, we, it's, it's weird for us guys to maybe think of being the bride. I've never quite got that, but if we, if we take it out of a bizarre setting and think, man, God of the universe desires us that much, every single person. Man, woman, boy, girl, he desires us that much. He has this look, this, imagine Jesus sitting at this wedding and he's thinking, man, I desire my bride. I desire uh, the people in my life. I, I want them, when, when he sees the bride, do you know what Jesus' look is when he sees you? Imagine that. I, and I think it speaks to the complete reception that Jesus has for us. Are you guys still with me today? So what he came to do, he's the Lord of the banquet. Uh, who he is, uh, what he, who he came to be is the Lord of the banquet. What he came to do, he's our bridegroom and he came to get this bride. What he has to offer is complete reception and care for us. Uh, and finally, how do we respond? Okay, so in light of this, his first sign, this miracle, how do we, how do we okay, now what? Can you see how this is more than just this, like, Jesus saving a party? He's laying out the whole framework for his ministry. And how do we respond? What happened at this party? Uh, the wine ran out, and they come to Jesus, and they say, it's it gone. The first thing you need to do is admit you're out. 
You do. You need to admit you're out. You're not just Jesus, top off my tank. <laughs> just, you know, I'm just almost out of gas. No, Jesus, I'm out. I'm empty. I'm bankrupt. There's nothing left. When you come to him when, and he responds to that. Maybe you're here today and there's been things in your life and you've been getting by with a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world, but no, he wants you to say, no, I'm out. And he will receive you if you receive him in this way, right? He doesn't make a move until you say, man, I, God, I got nothing. There's nothing left. I, we're out. This party's run dry. We're all going home in a minute, Right? That's the first thing you do. He, do. he doesn't do anything. And what's so funny about this, the master of the banquet comes, tastes the wine. Wow. Most people save the worst wine for the end of the party. He goes to, and did you see what happened? He goes to the bridegroom. He doesn't go to Jesus. There's Jesus over there. I did that. Right? You ever see someone get credit for something? You're like, Right, you look over, hey, why is he getting credit for what I did? And did that happen to anybody else? He goes to the bridegroom, bro, you crushed this party. You did it, the bride, they get all the credit. But that's also us. We get the credit for what he did. Wow, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God. Jesus went to the cross and provided the wine and provided the bread. So those of us that were sinners and bankrupt and are out can show up and go, wow, I'm righteous. That's good preaching, I think. Not my gift, but the story. that He came to provide wine, and he, he, we get the credit. Just like in this story, we come out shining. Wow, Easter Sunday, why can we waltz in here in three different places? Because God made us righteous. In him, we get the credit for his goodness. That's, that's why it's really, really, really good news. Someone say, yeah. And they say, you saved the best for last. You made the best party, and they get the credit. That's what Jesus does. Now, just a few things in, in closing. Uh, here's how we can, just some practical things. Uh, we, I think we can go to him with the little things. This seemed like a little thing. You say, hey, the wine is out. Well, I'm out of here. I'm Jesus. Do you ever go to him with little things in your life? God, please help me. <laughs> Some of you in traffic, you're, you're like, I do that all the time. <laughs> Shoot. You're pulling into Costco wanting a parking spot, right? Preach. Putting on the armor of God, getting ready to... Fight all the other Christians there, getting treats and groceries on a Sunday morning. Dear Lord, go to him with the little things. He uses his divine power to solve things. I believe that. And this isn't just a social problem with a miraculous solution. It speaks to us that he, we can go to him with little things. Because we need to submit to his timing sometimes. <laughs> My hour isn't yet come. There's, there's things God's doing in us, and we, we, we don't want to be impatient with Jesus. Amen? She comes with a request, and uh, Jesus really, what he's responding to is his own timing, but sometimes we need to uh, walk out the timing of God. 
Sometimes you'll go to God and what he says doesn't make sense right away, right? Hey, Jesus, we need more wine. What do I look like, a winery? Right? Do I have a brewery? Am I brewery Jesus? Do I look like I have bottles of wine? Did I smuggle them in under my jacket like a teenager to a movie? He says, what? And he says, get some, those stone pots and get some water. Well, that does, some of the things he does doesn't make sense. Someone say real big amen. <laughs> That's for sure. It doesn't make sense, but submit to his timing. God's coming through. Right? Uh, some of you, really practical, when we talk about marriage or we talk about God as father, we talk about family. There's so many struggles in our culture now, especially in marriage. We talk about the wedding feast of the lamb and we're the bride, he's the groom. Right away, the context you're coming from doesn't give you the lens to see who he really is because of what you've been through. And you would think that this could be a discouragement in this story, but I think the opposite is true. Because actually none of us, as amazing as our marriage is, will never match up to as amazing as Jesus is and his marriage and love to us. So this really should give us hope today. No matter what, if your marriage is busting up, if it's on the rocks, if you've been struggling, even if it's good or even if it's amazing, this story really should encourage every, or, or you're the one going to the wedding saying, what about me? Right? Thinking about your wedding all the time. Well, God's saying, don't, Give up. Don't be discouraged. Look at who I am, not who you are. So I want you to have courage today and, and faith. And then I, I, think, I think finally, <laughs> after I've yelled for 30 minutes, um, you have power over your joy. You do. Have you ever seen a kid uh, not my kids, probably other pastors' kids. How many of you have ever been at Christmas? I, Christmas, we're so blessed, actually. We have a trillion presents, and all of my kids, I have five kids, so the kids buy kids' presents. It's like a miracle under the tree on Christmas morning. You think of that pile of presents. Kids are ripping stuff open, getting every... You know what? When I was a kid, I got G.I. Joe toys. Snake eyes and stuff. Yeah, little toy tanks and boats and toy guns and stuff. I didn't get game stations and iPods. And think of the toys they get now. Anyone with me? How many think kids are a little spoiled these days? No. <laughs> I was pretty spoiled. Yeah, you're right. My mom spoiled me. Stop. I have a point to share. This happens almost every year. Of my five kids, without fail, one little teeny thing will set them off and they miss the whole big picture of what just happened. You know what I mean? We've seen that at our city food Christmas party. All these presents and man, oh, I didn't get that one thing and they're crying and you're like, look at everything you have. Right? In the greatest, the middle of the greatest festival of the year, kid day one, the one this is the top day of, for every kid. 10 out of 10, Christmas. Even if you were from a poor family, Christmas is still pretty good in America. Right? And one little thing can set them off. Guys, this story is so incredible. 
Let's not let anything throw us off this week from the amazing ability and creativity and gifts that our Savior brings and reminds us of of Holy Week and Easter. Can we do that? So let's stand to our feet. Slide 14 if you can, Bob. Um, So is Jesus the Lord of the banquet? Just practically, think about that for a minute. Look at the screen. Is he the Lord of the feast in your life? Are you living a feast or is it crumbs? Are you like Mephibosheth who's afraid and getting crumbs off the ground? Or is the, are, are you hearing the voice of the king saying, no, come to my table. I want you to eat with me from now on. Imagine that. Is he your bridegroom? Does your life belong to him in a way where you can say, Jesus, everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I want to receive this amazing proposal from you? Right? The total reception of him saying, no, come on in. I want to know you. It's not lording over you. I want to know you. Do you have that kind of walk with God? Don't wait, to, wait till Easter to get things right. And maybe some of those little tips of uh, ways to respond that I just shared at the end. Right? Admit you're out. <laughs> Lord, I got nothing left. Submit to his timing. Can you do that? So you got to, okay, I don't get it. I don't get the stone water pots and everything you're doing, but obviously behind the scenes, you're, you're crafting an amazing miracle. Not just a miracle, the first sign. That's why that sign's important and why I wanted to share it on Palm Sunday. I think to, we're talking about the end of his earthly life, but I wanted to go to the beginning to give us a perspective of what he came to do. So will you receive that? Will we receive that with joy and take that with us when we go to the bitter Good Friday and bring people on Easter? Let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Uh, Maybe our life is like a party out of control or maybe it hasn't even been a celebration. I pray today. Lord, would you be the Lord of our feast and rearrange our life in in ways that uh, match up with your priorities. We want to lay everything else down to respond to you, God. We want a life that's full and rich and and like in Isaiah, a feast laid out for us to to dine on. We want to dine with you, God. And so we thank you for not just that sign, but a kind of a parable of what your life would be and what it means to us today. And I pray it, it shapes our thoughts, it shapes our prayers as we go from here. And I pray it helps us bring other people along. Finally, uh, Lord, just talking about marriage uh, and a wedding feast, that might elicit emotion and reminders of struggle. Would you, would you please help people see, no, You're the ultimate example. You're the ultimate savior. You're the ultimate one that saves us and died for us. And you want to do life with us and experience us and us experience you and have total sensation of faith. Even when you don't see it in the world, we want to sense you with us, this amazing walk with you. And so I pray uh, huge joy on us today as we respond to the Lord of the wine, the, the God who 
came to not just save a few, but everyone. And God, we look from this vantage point, it's hard to sometimes feel and see, but that ultimate celebration, that wedding banquet of the Lamb, that feast where we celebrate everything you've done and everyone you've brought into the kingdom, we can't wait. And in the meantime, we'll celebrate Easter in a huge way this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, our ministry team, thank you guys. I'd like our ministry team to come forward. Uh, We'd love to pray for anyone who has a prayer need today. If you're able to stick around for a little bit and help uh, clean up the front, uh, the yard and the grounds of the church, we'd we'd covet your help. Uh, Otherwise, have an awesome day. We'll see you down in Stevensville on Friday.